and welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode number 160. Let's roll. And uh, it got me thinking, you know, we're going to we're going to start the show maybe with JT. But my gosh, you know, uh, I look at all my dynasty teams. I'm sure you all uh, play in, in multiple dynasty leagues, maybe multiple fantasy leagues. You know, I've got redraft league, Scott Fish Bowl, all these different, you know, leagues you're playing in, whether it be best ball, best ball gets these teams get decimated by injuries every year. And it got me thinking, my gosh, it's 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 really bad. You know, I mean, usually the quarterback position you can kind of um, you can kind of count on. Uh, but Joe Burrow, Anthony Richardson, Kyler Murray was out. Um, Deshaun Watson. Um, who else? We, you know, p- players were just uh, cousins. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers. You go to wide receiver. I mean, usually wide receiver is is strong. You got Justin Jefferson. The running backs were going down. The, the tight ends. Waller, Andrews, Goddard, Dulcich, uh, Fryermuth, all these players just go down and it just absolutely ruins you. Got me thinking about, you know, the the argument for or against depth as an important factor in fantasy football. And I do think depth is an important factor. I think, you know, especially, well, in Dynasty especially. And I would say that handcuffing in Dynasty is a different you know, proclamation than it is in redraft and redraft. You're basically betting against yourself and dynasty. You are making some sort of an insurance bet. You know, if you have some sort of, you know, uh, you know, Gardner Minshew to protect your Anthony Richardson, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, going to get into a little bit of that, but it not so not too much of that, but it, it is because of the JT news, you know, JT goes down. Where are you at? What are some of the moves you might be making? Well, we're going to get to all that and more with my guest, someone I'm very, very excited to finally, finally get on my show. Um, I have Mr. Josh Lee joining me this week. And, and Josh is, I mean, he's a rising star in this space. There's no doubt about it. Making waves, doing things his own way. Uh, he he uh, founded P-Lytics with uh, the Pharaoh of Fantasy. Um, those two guys are doing a great job. He's our head of analytics at the undroppables and starting to really find his footing in in that role with us. Uh, so he's a nerd folks, but he's a nerd with a little bit, a little bit of edge. So those are my kind of people. Uh, he also is a host, one of the hosts of our show on the undroppables network, unending rebuild Uh, a little bit more of that show in the off season during the season. He's grinding too damn hard to be on those airwaves every week. But without further ado, we're going to welcome Mr. Josh Lee to the program. You can find Josh on Twitter at Josh. Oh, my God. Too many vowels, brother. Tell the people <laughs> where they can find you on Twitter, Josh. You can find me on Twitter at Joshua J. Hyun. That's J-O-S-H-U-A-J-A-E-H-Y-U-N. Oh, Thanks so much for having me on, Jax. Uh, this, is, this is exciting, man. I mean, I've been, I've been listening to your show for – I don't know how long, uh, just grinding the dynasty streets. And this this season was my first opportunity to take you on at your own game. Yes, sir. And we're over there in the big game. Yes. Me and you are right there in four and five, and we both have two of the most points for in that league. We're right there, Jax. I'm, I'm excited for, for the playoffs this year. Um, and 
if I can take you down to your own game, this is this is going to be fun, Jax. <laughs> yeah, we are we are locked into the playoffs, and um, you know, like uh, actually, somehow I guess I'm not math. We're mathematically not in, but we are. Yeah, technically, um, yeah. technically, we're mathematically in because. The I just realized that on Sleeper, you can do the thing. I wasn't sure because I had never done it on a Sleeper League before, but we award, and I don't know if you like this. We'll, we'll start here. I like, you know, one through five. Like, you have a 12-team league or 14-team league. You know, top two get a, get a buy. The next four get in. Well, mm-hmm. seeds three, four, and five are in order of standings. I like the sixth, sixth, easy for me to say, sixth seed to be the most points scored from all the remaining teams. So you could be O and whatever. If you somehow have the most points of those remaining teams, you're the sixth seed. What do you think of that? Yeah, I, I actually do like that sort of format. Um, I, I'm also in leagues where it's like you play against the league median. Yes. That's always a good way to kind of counterbalance that. Yep. But it's essentially the sixth seed being the team that has the most points for. That didn't quite get it in the record just because maybe just some bad luck fell their way where they're like the second high scorer and they play the top high score like every single week. I think it's a it's a great sort of a out for for that. It, it is also fun, though, for they're like some team just have shit luck all season and then they miss the playoffs and then they go off in the playoffs. They would have won the championship and made the playoffs. It's, it's always kind of yes. fun to see that team just kind of just like sit there and just like, oh, what could have been. But I mean, th- in terms of like a fairness perspective, I mean, I, th- this plays well. Yeah, yeah, it's the counterbalance to the victory points thing, or playing okay. one week uh, against the league median. That kind of usually fixes that. So if you play in one of those leagues, which I play in a, a number of those leagues, yeah. those are fine too. Those take out a lot of variance for sure. Um, mm-hmm. I do kind of like the variance of at least you know the three, four, and five could still be you know there could be a shit shit dog team in there or something like that. It's just kind of one, but at least that one guy, there's not going to be the one bitch complainer in the bottom. Who's like, dude, I should have fucking been, you know, that guy's making the playoffs. Cause actually uh, the person who didn't realize that that was a score was kind of complaining, but he's in the playoffs in, uh, in the sixth yeah. seed. So yeah, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to work out that way. We are, uh, let me look at that right now. Cause I think you mentioned we're like, uh, let's see points for, uh, I'm one in the league. Somehow I'm in fifth fucking place, but I'm one in points scored. You're fourth. For max point four, I'm first again. What do you know? And you're third. Yeah. But yes, yeah, somehow yeah. we're fifth and fourth and fifth or whatever. <laughs> you know, the buys are all, it's never fair. Fantasy football is never fair. As per my intro, which is these fucking injuries. My God, yeah. it's so brutal. Am I right? Yeah, it's been brutal. I mean, we had Mark Andrews just go down not uh, what, like two weeks ago. Yeah, that was brutal. Now, we're luckily we had George Kittle um, yes. sitting in the back that we can deploy at our tight end position. But like, this is like a super tight end premium league. That was yeah. like one of the big things that we talked about on our podcast was like it felt like people did not value tight ends correctly in the startup draft. I know yeah. George Kittle hasn't necessarily blown up the season the way that he typically does. Um, but he's had some games few in, uh, here and there. But George Kittle fell like pretty far. Like he was going in this super tight and premium league. He was going about where he goes in a normal standard sort of PPR league. So we we saw that as just insane value. And we just hopped all over that, and that was kind of our draft strategy for for this the, for the big game this offseason. Well, it certainly worked for scoring points. Hey, I looked at something about the George Kittle. Uh, you'll like this one. Hold on, let me let me pull this up. So. You know who, who, which tight end forty targets or more. So I mean, you know, we're we're gonna eliminate all the bullshit ragamuffins. But 40, okay. forty targets or more. Who do you think is first in yards per target in the NFL at the tight end position? Oh uh, well, you, it felt feels like a leading question. So I'm gonna say George Kittle. <laughs> Correct. Correct. 
it's really second place that you'll never guess unless you look it up. Uh, who do you think is second in that category? 40 or more targets, yards per target. More targets, yardage per target. I want ah. I mean, Fryermuth, uh, did Fryermuth hit the 40, 40 uh, target range? Because he, he, I don't know, this past week he was getting insane uh, yardage per target. He, uh, he is he is not, no. Uh, second. Uh, it's really never going to happen. Sam Laporta? No, Laporta. He's down there a bit, actually, believe it or not. He's, he's, uh, he's not there. It is Jonu Smith. Johnu Smith, ah, he gets these screen passes and takes it for seventy yards. He's done that like twice this season. Yes, <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's like it's like the, the, the list. The list goes like this: it goes Kittle, Johnu Smith, Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey. You know, it's like, oh, okay. I mean, Tyler Conklin, kind of an interesting name to be up there, actually, because what did you say? He's low key. I mean, I I, yeah. I think I mean Tyler Conklin the. Uh, I think I've had to start him in one league this season uh, where I'm just like scraping the bottom of the barrel tight end. But I started Tyler Conklin, got me like 17 points. So yeah, he, he's, he's a nice little fill-in that you can stream. Yeah, I mean, if you if you go from the top, it's like, you know, Tyler Conklin, then Trey McBride, Dallas Goddard, Luke Musgrave, Darren Waller, Dalton Schultz, you know, and then it kind of goes from there. So, I mean, yeah, those are – but I was looking at it. You know, I saw a tweet, and it, it was the – you know, I, I called Janu as a, as a buy – for at the tight end position that he goes out and puts out a goose egg after getting one target the week before. And it's like, okay, maybe that was wrong. And, but I saw this tweet that said, finally, they're going to get the ball to their better players. And I was like, well, John has been performing better than Pitts. That's all I know. Like on a per target, per route run, he's, you know, more, you know, just everything. I was like, he's actually been quote unquote better, you know, everything catch percentage, everything. So anyway, we're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna move past the tight ends. I wanted to talk about JT, the situation okay. there, and really dive into a little bit of uh, of game theory. Got me thinking. I'm gonna hit all that and more just after this. Like I was saying, Josh, I wanted to mention the JT situation. I mean, he's another one of those guys that was you know obviously missed the first four weeks, had the ramp up. Now he's got this little surgery. They're saying he'll be back in two or three weeks. Here we are, right? Week thirteen. We have about two weeks. Well, most leagues two weeks, and then playoffs, right? Yeah. So it's like JT puts a real strain on on a competitive team right now. Like what to do with him because it's it's like okay, two to three weeks. Well. If it's three weeks, that's a that's a problem. Like, if it's two mm. weeks, well, that's kind of okay. But if it's two weeks, am I going to feel comfortable playing him in week one? If I have a buy, do I? So it just got me thinking. Like, what do you do if you're holding JT and you're poised for a playoff spot? Like, this is kind of a a big decision. So, from a dynasty perspective, if you have JT, he he just feels like a hold. I mean, you just gotta gotta hope that JT comes back because it would be just an absolute bummer if like you were to trade away JT for a player that's playing right now if you've already locked up a playoff spot. Yeah. And then he comes back and goes on a tear in the playoffs. Right. That would be that would be absolutely devastating, especially if you if if you're trading him and like downgrading at running back for because I mean JT's still only 24. He's yep. he's still he's still a viable dynasty asset. He's gonna be good for years to come. You'd probably I mean next year is the 25. That's the the peak yes. age for for running backs um so he should theoretically go off next year um and so i think it's you, you kind of just have to take those gambles and that's that's the game we play this is this is fantasy football um it's kind of 
very difficult to predict exactly what's going to happen. And so there's a lot of variance to this game. So sometimes you're going to be right. Sometimes you're going to be wrong. And JT's just one of those guys that you just have to uh, – just just hold and just hope and pray that he comes back in time and he leads you to a fantasy championship. Yeah, I think that's the right answer, by the way. It, he is a hold because you don't want to sell him, but you may need yeah. to make sure you have a couple of starting running back slots filled. You know, I, I've been doing this in a lot of leagues where I know where I'm going to end up. Um, I've been looking at my first playoff you know, matchup. In other words, I don't know who I'm going to play, but I know what week I'm going to play. Like, oh, I'm locked into the bye. Let me go look at week 16. Or I'm, you know, locked into, I'm going to play a first round uh, playoff game. Let me go look at week 15. And I'm really starting to sort of game play that. Um, you can kind of do that even before now, which I started to dabble with, but I, I try not to get too far ahead of myself because you can start making those thoughts and moves and and plans and then all of a sudden Mark Andrews goes down and you're like well you know that (laughs) right you know so it's like you kind of still have to be a little bit tepid with all that stuff but I I think that that's kind of what I'm thinking is hey if I've got JT I'm going to hold him as the asset I don't want to sell low on the asset because you're Mm -hmm. right he could actually dunk all over people in the playoffs definitely within the realm of possibility you know can you get Zach Moss from – and again, why? if you have JT, maybe you should have been moving for Zach Moss as soon as JT came back, actually. That would have been the time to trade for Zach Moss as soon as his as soon as soon Zach Moss turned into a pumpkin. But mm-hmm. um, long story short is I think that's what I would rather do. Maybe you have enough depth uh, already, uh, but with injuries and stuff, it can get a little bit frazzled on even contending teams. So I think making those trades around the edges, it's something that I've been talking about with a – a few of the past guests is, you know, I think uh, Scott Connor brought it up about like he was talking about trading. Oh, it, he had brought up the question. This guy had two great quarterbacks and he was like, should I trade my 24 first for Sam Howell? And I was like, you know, to be his third quarterback. And I was like, I don't like that at all. I don't like that move. I was like, why not just go trade for like, you know, Gardner Minshew? or something as your backup third, you know, quarterback, because then he's way cheaper or whatever, whomever, you know, fill in the blank with, you know, I just made a trade for fucking Jake Browning. I don't even know if that's his first name. Is that his real first name? Browning. Browning. (laughs) Jake Browning. Yeah. I mean, so you actually brought up a point that I think can, it's it's actually a a, a real contentious uh, point in my opinion. And it's like where you go, you look ahead and you try to prepare for the upcoming matchups. You're like, oh, this team might be good. Uh, oh, this team might be bad. So, like, I don't have to maybe make the move that I need to make if JT is going to be out this week. Um, I, I want to tell a quick story about uh, one of my um, co-managers on on the big game, Will Kais. Um, in our own uh, Dynasty League last season, uh, he was first overall seed. He had it locked up, but he wanted to actually be in the second uh, the second seed so that he could – uh, actually, no, he want, he wanted to, so sorry, he was in the, the three seed and he wanted to fall to the fourth seed so that he could play the fifth seed. And the fifth seed was by far the weakest team. Yeah. The, the sixth seed had like a phenomenal team, the, the, but the fifth seed had a pretty, pretty piss poor team. So he um, was, yeah. So, so he tanked his last week so that he could purposely lose and face the, the weaker team. Yes. And getting blown out yeah. in, in the match. <laughs> and probably, probably would have won the other one. And would have won if he played the better team because the better team, that team, he completely shit the bed week one. And yeah. uh, he, Kai has ended up scoring like 190 in the semis if he had moved on and like 180 in the finals. if he So he he would have won the championship if he had just not tanked the final week. Yes. He, he, he had the fantasy gods and the fantasy gods punished him for it. That's exactly um, what he did, so yeah. 
I, I was like, it's kind of like you can't over prepare for some sort for, for some of these things. And you definitely don't want to uh, try to uh, manage who you're going to be playing in the playoffs yeah. because you really, you really don't know who's going to go off and who's not going to go off. So yeah, uh, that, that, that's one point that, uh, that I, I've always, uh, I've always just like, kind of just like, I'm going to worry about myself. I'm worried about my own team and I'm going to put out the best, the best product that I can. Um, I can, and, and I can miss, like, hey, Josh, let's, <laughs> Josh, I commission a league where um, the three seed gets to pick who he's going to play out of the oh, five. I would hate that. <laughs> he gets to pick who he's going to play out of the five and six. And then yeah. the one gets to pick who he's going to play the next week, too. Ah, so that's very, very fun. That's very, very, very interesting. Do, do, how often have people picked the wrong matchup? <laughs> I mean, it feels like, you know, all the time. I mean, it's 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 one of those things, too. It's a call out, right? I mean, it's like, you know, as soon as, you know, so it's fun, you know, and it just, it goes in the league message. Hey, who you got? As soon as the week is over, you know, as soon as the playoffs are announced, three gets to pick and and the uh, one gets to pick as well, but he can't pick two. He can't pick two. Okay. He's got to pick okay. whoever, you know, one of the teams out of there. So it's a little advantage for the one seed, you know, as opposed to, you know, you know, sometimes the, the 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 bracket or whatever, however it naturally lines up, you're like, dude, the, I'm the one seed. I got to play this fucking guy. Like that's bullshit. <laughs> you know, right? We've all been there. Like I was yeah, by far the best team. I get the buy, and I still have to face whomever. You know, and it's like yeah. I, I like it a lot. You know, because it does allow you to pick, and you can look at the matchups, and you can figure it out, and. You know, it does create an advantage o- over the course of time, but of course, in those small samples, baby, you're going to get fucking yeah, stunned. You get the you get the variance. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what, football, it's the game of variance. That's what it's. It's a small sample variance. That's exactly right, and that's why you know, for the most part, you try not to overthink it because you realize, hey, I really need to play into the big numbers, not the small numbers. Exactly, and and like that's like the biggest issue from like a predictive analytics standpoint is modeling this stuff out is very, very difficult because the sample is just so small. Like I, I worked at Capital One for a long time. We were dealing with hundreds of millions of rows of data. Just ab- like we could we could train models and it would be o- almost perfect where like we'd be able to predict like how things were going to play out. Right. Fancy football, we get what? Maybe three seasons for 50 running backs? Like what are we going to do with that? It's so difficult to, to to model that out, and like the actual availability of data for from a fantasy from a fantasy perspective, it's it's solid. Like we have maybe data going back to like 1999, um, so like it's not terrible, but still it's it's still only like 10,000, 20,000 rows, and like you you would love to have at least a million to to build these very strong models, but there, there's so much variance in this game where uh, it, it's it's just so difficult to predict sometimes. Yeah, it really is. And, uh, you know, speaking of that, I'm going to let you kind of, you know, share because you've been doing a great job and, you know, we're, we're certainly in the, you know, the beginning stages of putting something together that we believe in, you know, both, uh, for you at P but really, you know, as a, as a, as a, you know, partnership with the undroppables to try and put something together so that we can actually say, Hey, we, we've got something that actually works rather than, you know, I, I think I told you it's like, you know, the shell game or the three card Monty type of thing where, you know, a lot of these betting sites are like, we'll sell you a pick. If it loses, you don't owe us money. We'll give you a refund. It's like, well, that's basically just bullshit. You know, it's like, so we, we, we don't want to, we don't ever want to be that, you know, um, you know, I'm sure there's, you know, profit and that, you know, but you know, for us, we want to be, you know, at least 
founded in something that we believe in. And, you know, right. I, you know, that, that is, that is something that I know you've been working on and uh, you know, I don't know if you want to share a little bit about, you know, what, what you've been working on and, and maybe tease the, uh, the audience as to what's to come. Yeah. From a fantasy football perspective, uh, I spent all off season building a predictive model for uh best ball mania specifically. Um, Cause we went in that 3 million baby, but um I was able to basically predict actually pretty well um, how players are going to perform across the entire season. Um, so like one of the players that my model highlighted that was going to be, that was supposed to be a top three receiver was Amon Ross St. Brown. So I have, I have Amon Ross St. Brown everywhere. I think I have him on like 20% of my best one mania teams. I, I drafted him on all my redraft teams. I had him in a few uh, dynasty leagues as well. And people were offering me like first round picks for Amon Ross St. Brown, but I wasn't accepting any of those because I had a feeling uh, my model told me Amaro St. Brown was going to be a top three receiver this year, this year. I think he's like wide receiver five or something like that, yeah. he, but he, he's up there and he's continuing, continuing to be a target monster. And he even missed like one or two games. Um, so that's just like, I'm just going to continue to refine the model, keep working on that. And we're going to start to put out some pretty cool fantasy products. I think one of the, our goal right now is we're really researching. We're diving into AI uh, right. chat GPT. We, like if, if, Anybody on the podcast listening right now has not used ChatGPT, uh, you're living under a rock, go and use that thing because it is incredible what it can do. We are custom training one of our uh, our own AIs to exactly. basically become a fantasy football chatbot where you can ask it things like, who should I start this week? Um, should I start uh, Greg Dortch or A.T. Perry? And it'll tell you yes. who to start. <laughs> if you're digging the bottom of the barrel, it'll tell you who to start based off of our yes. predictive model. Um, so that's kind of what we're going for. We're, we're working towards that product. Uh, we're not quite there yet, but uh, we're, we're going to get there soon. Yes, absolutely. And and it's it's about it's about using the right data, teaching yep. the model the right things to look at and testing it over and over again and and letting it perfect itself as we go. And and yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, we won't be the only ones doing this, of course. We're not like fucking going to the moon. It's not, you know, a solo a solo project where, you know, no one else is thinking of this, but we are attempting it. We feel pretty good about what we've got put together. I know you know, I trust in what you can do and, and it's a lot of fun. And, 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 uh, yeah, so all that to come and, you know, whether, whether we can, you know, apply it towards the betting market, which is where we want to put it so that we can hopefully, you know, have some utility there where we can make some money and, you know, and then sell it to other people so they can make some money. Um, yeah, that would be fun. Um, you know, so lots of, lots of different utilization, but you're right. Even AT Perry versus Greg Dorch, uh, that's fucking dope. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, it's like if you had to choose, who are you going to start? Yeah, let let the AI just tell me. And 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 the, and the cool thing is, like you had mentioned, you know, to me when we were talking, like you know, we we started to use the the modeling, and you were able to sort of, you know, basically almost predict, you know, almost exact final scores from week to week. And this past mm-hmm. week, like I think you had Baltimore twenty three ten, they won twenty to ten, and. You know, yep. uh, the, the the Detroit game you nailed, uh, was it exact, I think? Well, we, we had Green Bay 20, 28 to Detroit, 20, Detroit like 19, something like that. So yeah. it was pretty close, like a field goal off on both sides. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's really good. And so, you know, a lot of that stuff and when it starts to hit and we start to see it working and, you know, again, there's, there's still a ton of variance. So despite how yeah. wise any of us become, we're still going to get 
smacked from time to time because there's so much small sample variance, right? Yep, that's exactly right. Um, it's it's actually um, it, it's pretty incredible, just like what what we can do with AI now and like the the age yeah. that we're moving towards. And and one thing that I will say is, it feels like just like fantasy football and like sports betting as a whole. It's pretty incredible that we still don't look at players uh, like player projections at least from a how they perform against a specific team. So take like uh, who's who's someone like last week that had a or let's take this week for that has a really large data set like Mike Evans, for example. Mike Evans is playing the Panthers. Um, I don't know what Mike Evans projection is uh, on sleeper or any of these big websites, but I our models say that Mike Evans should have at least like 17, 18 points this week. There's a good chance that he breaks 20 because whenever he plays the Panthers, he shits on them. Uh, He he owns the Carolina Panthers. Um, So. It's, it's like things like that. And uh, we're able to like we've, we've built a few products that we've actually launched uh, out in the market. And anybody on the pod can go and listen uh, to go and check that out at fairanalytics.com. Um, and it, it, we, right now we have we built a reception calculator. And the way that the reception calculator works is it just it looks at a game log, a, a player's history against a very specific team. So it only looks at for a, from a projection standpoint, it only looks at Mike Evans uh, d- data against the Carolina Panthers, um, because that's what we deem as most important from a predictive standpoint. Right. Um, it's kind of the same way. It was like, if you're about to buy a car, the uh, the car agency or whoever's selling the car, they, they pull your credit report. They want to look at your history, specifically in the field of borrowing pa- money. Paying right? for cars, yeah. Paying for cars, exactly. And they look at specifically that field. So why in in sports data, why do we, why do we care about Mike Evans' performance against the Green Bay Packers or the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes, it, it's it gives us some sort of directional sort of idea of like how he should do. But what really matters is how he performs against the Carolina Panthers. Does he own them? Yes. Okay. He should go off this week then. <laughs> By the way, that's one of my favorite lines whenever I'm talking to a buyer. I'm in the car business. Whenever I'm talking to a, a buyer at the bank, I'll always say that the person will have shitty credit, but they'll pay their cars. And, and, and the buyer will be like, well, yeah, shitty credit. I go, uh, yeah, what business are we in? The car business? The motherfucker pays his cars, all right, Chief? Exactly. So let's give him a fucking loan. Give him the loan, Chief. Let's get this guy rolling. He's a fucking car payer. He pays for cars. That's what he cares dude. about. That's right. That's right. I mean, I don't give a shit if he doesn't pay his credit cards. He lets those fucking things go. He pays his car. Uh, yeah, because so he, he, that's what he cares about. And it's like Mike Evans, He maybe he doesn't care about the other teams. He cares about owning the Panthers. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So speaking of 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 uh, of that, I, I wanted to shift a little bit to uh, some questions, maybe player takes and things like that. Um, just some just some fun stuff. So I think did so. Josh Palmer has been out with a knee yes. for like the last four weeks. I didn't check the stats. Did he outscore Quentin Johnson during those four weeks? I think he might have. <laughs> Sorry, too soon. Too soon. I, just oh, I love it. I love it. Just dunk it on Quentin Johnston. <laughs> Where'd you have him in your in your in your pre-draft rankings? I mean, right there. You know, you had to behind Addison. Um, you know, okay. so thankfully, you know, that's sometimes I, I mention this all the time. Like I've I've talked to people who were like in on JT, supposedly mm-hmm. they were like, dude, he was my running back three in that class. I loved him. It's like, no, if you had him at running back three, <laughs> you got zero. So yeah, he should have he should have been your RB one. 
No, but I mean, you know, you can't be in and not get any because you don't yeah, get yeah. any at running back three or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like you can't be in on JSN and be like, oh, JSN, I'm in. I thought he was going to be great. I had him as my RB, uh, my wide receiver four in this class. Totally good. And you're like, well, then you got zero. Again, you yeah, have exactly. zero. So exactly. whether you had him at wide receiver four or wide receiver 400, you have the same number of JSN opportunities on your you know, on your dynasty team. So, you know, for me, it was like I faded Quentin. And, and the way I played it was I thought it was JSN and Addison in, in their own tier. And then guys. So a lot of times when it was I, – I, I think I drafted maybe only one QJ in all my rookie drafts because I either traded up – like there was a few times when I had – I don't, it was like the – whatever it was, the 109, 108 right there, you know? And, mm-hmm. and I would just literally pay profit to swap the QJ versus Addison. I did that on uh, two or three occasions and Good. so glad I did. You know, so I was yeah. skeptical um, and I didn't want to take – I wasn't that in on Zay Flowers, especially early in the process. As we get a little later, I kind of regretted not having as many Zay uh, opportunities as I as I could have. Um, and Kincaid, I don't like taking tight ends, so it was like it was like okay. And then A Chain and Kendra were, were question marks and Charbonnet. So I was like, if I'm not gonna move up, I almost want to move out uh, or back, yeah. you know. So. I was stuck in that late first round. I'd rather go get, you know, Laporta, Mims, Jaden Reed, you know, later in that second. I'd much rather sell that first round pick. So that's how I played it. Um, it ended up being correct. It could have been catastrophic if QJ was like this fucking monster. I saw that upside, but really he scared me quite a bit. The the analytics were not all that good. Uh, the outside X receiver body type who – is really a yak player, but doesn't win contested has bad hands. Like there's just a lot of stuff that like it didn't, it didn't correlate. Right. Mm-hmm. So a mm-hmm. lot of his skill sets I thought were uncorrelated to success in the NFL. And looks like that was spot on. It was, it was a tough call though, because he's such a beast, you know? Yeah. He, I mean, he had all the athletic ability in the world. I, yeah. I have zero, I have zero QJ. Um, and I'm, I'm happy yeah. that I have zero QJ because he's, he's kind of, he's starting to look like a bust, but, um, I have I have so much Zay Flowers. Zay Flowers is my wide receiver too during during the there whole process. Um, I first like the reason I was so in on Zay Flowers was like I just kind of like dug into his backstory a little bit, I researched him a little bit. You know he has you, you know he has thirteen siblings. Sheesh. Zay Flowers has thirteen siblings, and he is the first in his family to graduate from college, um, mm. and that's why he wanted to stay four years. Uh, the NFL wanted him to come out after his junior season. He wanted, he said he wanted to stay. He wanted to graduate, uh, wanted to be the first in his family to graduate. There were other schools trying to get him to come over, transfer over. Uh, there was Bama that came over. They, they offered him a million dollars to come transfer to Bama. He's a loyal kid. He wanted to stay there. He wanted to finish his degree at Boston college because that's what he committed to. Uh, he asked his coaches what he should do. They all said that like, this is, this is like your decision, man. Like you got to make this decision for yourself. He said, I'm going to do what I, what I set out here to do. He did that, and he's now he's in the NFL. Got drafted in the first round. He's looking phenomenal, and I am just so happy for the kid. Um, and I'm so happy that I was in on him too, because uh, I have a, I have a decent amount of Zay Flowers. I do have him Zay Flowers in the big game as well. Um, so I'm, I'm happy that I, I was able to pull him there. Um, but yeah, I have zero QJ. Uh, he's uh, I, uh, man. I, I wish I was hoping that he was going to be good because I I did like him at, at TCU. He did look like he could be kind of a solid playmaker at the next level, but he's. He's kind of reminded me a little bit of Traylon Burks, and I was pretty high on Traylon Burks uh, last season. Um, maybe Traylon Burks can, t- can turn into something still. I don't know. He's not looking great either, though. No. Well, he's had some injuries, obviously. Traylon has had two straight years of, of, of 
terrible injury luck. I mean, last year with the the foot toe situation, whatever it was, the arch, whatever it was, bad foot, and then he comes back from the foot, catches a touchdown pass, great catch, and gets absolutely fucking clobbered in the head out for like three or four weeks, comes back and finds Malik Willis as his quarterback. I mean, it was just an awful rookie season. And then this year – Look, things aren't all, all that much better. I mean, Tannehill was a mess, throwing picks all over the place. He gets hurt again. The Traylon Burke story is is not fully told. Unfortunately, no matter what the reasons are, once you've failed two years into the league, it's very, very unlikely you turn that around and become a player. So for those reasons, Traylon is not looking good. But I would say QJ yeah. is way, way more on the uh, Nikhil Harry scale uh, uh, the scale, yes, of a guy who I just don't think has what it takes. I mean, look, that drop to win a game when he was wide yeah. open and the ball was perfectly delivered down the sideline by Herbert, yo, that is – I mean, there are drops and then there are like – no, you cannot drop this ball in this situation if you're a pro. Like yeah. that that one is like – I mean, I almost felt bad for him. I mean, I've been dunking on him a little bit. That one I'm like, oh, man, I mean – this this yeah, is this is yeah this is fucking sad to watch. I mean, this is tough to watch, you know. Yeah. And so yeah, he had some asymmetrical upside coming out, but it just kept getting worse and worse. He was kind of like the the Bizarro Pukanakua, who had no upside. You know, you're like this guy is nobody. Fifth round pick. I mean, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just like no chance this is going to be the guy, you know. And then all of a sudden. The, the, the stories in the offseason just kept building and building. Hey, this guy's good. This guy's good. This guy's good. Oh, my God. They love him. He's, like, open all the time. He's so good. He's so reliable, yada, yada. And you're like, well, this is either a huge line of bullshit or this guy might actually be good. And, you know, we did get spoiled. Uh, I mentioned it last week with, you know, with BZ. It's like, you know, these these players don't normally work out, the Tank Dells and the Pukunakuas, especially to the, to the, the extremes they have. But, I mean – my gosh, you know, certainly trading out of that QJ spot back. As it turned out, you should have traded back to the third or fourth round and picked Dell or Puka. But, you know, trading back to get Jaden Jaden Reed. or The other guy I want to talk about real quick while we're here is, is maybe Rashi Rice. I think Rashi mm-hmm. Rice is the guy that um, that might be moving up. He, he's my biggest mover in dynasty ranks. Look, he did it this week. I finally saw it. I, I You know, I wasn't so sure. But I'm becoming more and more sure and feeling like I was maybe a little bit behind the curve on Rashi. No longer. I, I feel like, uh, you know, if I'm giving advice, we got to make sure that Rashi is is squarely in your sights. Um, I'm sure many of you guys are like, got a boy, Jax. You're coming along. There you go, buddy. I'm last to the party, but I'm not going to be uh, I'm not going to be standing there by myself. Uh, we're, we're here. So I think Rashi's there. Um, where, uh, where, Jack, what do you think? You're gonna have to you're gonna have to convince me on Rashi because I'm still not there yet. I'm so I'm technically last of the party then because this this offseason, like I I just didn't see it from him from a profile perspective, from a film perspective. I just I didn't see anything from him. And like everything that he that he showed me screamed Kenny Galladay to me. So maybe that's what he is. because like, Kenny Galladay had some phenomenal seasons at the NFL before he just completely washed away. Um, but everything that Rashi Rice was just like screamed Kenny Galladay to me. And I, I didn't want anything to do with that. Like, yes, he'll have great years here and there, but maybe being tied to Patrick Mahomes is going to uh, be able to sustain his career a little bit longer. I don't know. Um, I'm still not quite there yet. Like, is this a thing where it's Patrick Mahomes and Patrick Mahomes just looking for a guy and Rashi Rice is just better than the other guys that are there right now? Is that what it is? Or is he like an actual good receiver? So if he was on another team, 
would he be any good? I don't know. So it's it's still like I'm I'm low I'm I'm last of the party. I, I, I'm still not fully bought in on Rashi Rice yet. Yeah, so that, one's think, good. that one's a little bit tough for me. I think I can hear that because I've been sort of preaching that same stuff too. I've been like saying, hey, look, if he were really dope, and I don't th- I'm not saying he's really dope, but if you were really dope uh, on this offense, you would have thought he would have showed himself more and sooner. But you know, sometimes we're a little bit um, fickle, you know, as as uh, you know, as we are now in the, you know, the, you know, this generation of we get everything right away. Um, there's mm-hmm. no more patience, but I'm going to circle back and ask it this way. Cause I think this is an interesting conversation. So I haven't asked you, we, you know, I don't, I don't think you actually keep rankings, um, you know, uh, updated dynasty rankings, but you certainly know enough to know where you have guys and who you prefer. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I would, I would say that me personally, this sort of class, this, you know, this this 2023 wide receiver class, I have I have these four guys in a in a in a group, and I'm not so sure I don't prefer Tank Dell out of all four of them, but Tank Dell, Puka Nakua, Jordan Addison, and, and JSN are there. The next guy for me is Zay Flowers, a little bit further behind, but you could tell me he's in that group, and I wouldn't argue. So of those four or five guys, who is your wide receiver one if we're if we're on the clock right now and they're all available? We share a, a five hundred dollar buy-in team. Who are we taking? Tank Dell. Yeah. It's Tank Dell. Like that dude is phenomenal. And he's tied to CJ Stroud. CJ Stroud's phenomenal. <laughs> That's, like, that dude is so <laughs> That's the way I feel. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. So uh, I, I, it's crazy, isn't it, that that's where we're at? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's, it's Tank Dell. Maybe I could make an argument for Jordan Addison over Tank Dell, um, just from a perspective of, okay, like when he had Kirk Cousins, like yeah. Jordan Addison, phenomenal. He looked like he could be a one. Yeah. Uh, Tank Dell also looks like he could be a one as well. Um, and it's, it's kind of crazy because like the, prototype of like being a one receiver is changing Changing. because these guys these guys are smaller uh they're not your old school ones that were like des bryant michael crabtree uh some of these bigger body receivers calvin johnson i mean these guys were julio jones these guys were absolute uh freaks of nature uh and they looked the part now these guys are much smaller they're super quick and they can just get open at will. Um, and Tank Dell is exactly that. So he he's a, he's an exciting player, man. Well, yeah, I think I, I, I do the the anatomy of you know a, a position and the wide receiver position this coming off season. I think we'll see its biggest shift in size because some of the some of the bigger guys are actually falling out. Devonte Adams, you know, Cooper Cup, DK Metcalf, right? Uh, maybe even T Higgins falls off the list. Maybe even Drake London all fall off the list of the top, very top elite. And then who's in there? You know, Chase and Jefferson are 200 pounds. C.D. Lamb, 200 pounds. A.J. Brown will be the big guy. But Amon mm-hmm. Ra, 200 pounds. Tyreek, Garrett Wilson, Olave, Waddle, all sub 200 pounds. Uh, Ayuk, less than 200 pounds. Diggs, Devontae Smith, Tank Dell. You know, you could go to Michael Pittman and Drake London and T. Higgins, but – you know, DJ Moore, not big, right? Addison, JSN, Tank Dell, as you point out, right? Maybe Puka's a little bit bigger, uh, but, you know, Zay Flowers, all right? So, yeah, you're right. All the guys that were like, okay, these are the new sort of guys who are who are performing and showing and becoming part of the elite wide receiver um, group, 
they're all smaller. You're a thousand percent right. We saw this coming because it was getting smaller every year. Like we saw this, we're like, oh, and and that's why I did the anatomy. A lot of people are like, why don't you use like historical data as like the, you know, the last five, six, 10 years of who finished as the wide receiver one. I'm like, well, I don't really give a shit about the past. I'm trying to predict the future with this motherfucker, you know? And it was like, so I want to take, you know, who is considered, you know, whether or not they've, you know, like whether or not they've actually performed at that level. Like, I don't think Olave's had a wide receiver one year, but he's certainly a wide receiver one in dynasty, whether we like it or not, Jalen Waddle, wide receiver one. Right. So I want to take the guys who are valued there and identify what they're looking like and how that's changing. And it's definitely changing for smaller, for sure. Tank Dell leading the fucking way. And of, of course his name is Tank. In doing so, <laughs> much better than the other tank. the other tank too in, in rookie drafts this offseason. What's that? Yeah, T- Tank Dell was after well, he was actually getting drafted after Tank yes. Bigsby yes. In, in rookie drafts this offseason. So zero, I, I zero shares, zero cares. Tank Bigsby. I'm just going to let you know that. I, I have one share of Tank Bigsby, and it was not right. So. Yeah, I, I started to started to get a little wheezy on 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 Bigsby toward the end when everybody was really starting to steam him over ETN. I was like, oh my god, don't tell me I fucked this one up. You know what I mean? I was like, yeah. oh, I was really. And then of course, thank God I was right. But like, it's funny too because it's hard to to keep your you know your takes because you know I always preach you know be like water, be Bayesian, be ready to be wrong. All those things. Yeah. It's like you have to be ready to move fast. You know, you can't be like still thinking the old thinking you have to really be moving fast to make sure that your your um your values are right you know and and so you start to come off your take a little bit and then when you realize you're right you're like perfect i'll just settle right back into where i was you know, all right i'm back i don't have to yeah. go anywhere i was good yep 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 i mean that that, that happens to everybody like it, it has yes. to um but actually the one point on take basically i want to make is uh he reminds me a lot of Jamal Williams. So I can still see a Jamal Williams-esque career arc for Tank Bigsby because I don't think Jamal Williams did anything really his first year in the NFL. Uh, but the fumbles are worrying me because whenever he gets on the field, he seems to fumble it every single time. So yeah. maybe that's going to be the, the nail in the coffin for Tank Bigsby. Could very well be. It, I mean, in the NFL, they tend to do this. So, um, yeah, it's, it can be a problem. I Okay. Justin Herbert, back to uh, the Chargers real quick. Okay, I, I'm not so sure here. There's some, there's a lot of just bad juju, if you will, in you know in Charger land. And Brandon Staley, I mean, look, man, you know the fact that he's the poster child for analytics really pisses me off. So for that reason, I want him the hell out of there because it, 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 he's not the poster child for analytics. And I hate while we've got the, our director of analytics, my least favorite thing ever is when like it, they, the, the announcers of a football game will have no idea what the analytics will say, but like it'll be one of those things where like someone just goes for it on fourth down, maybe even incorrectly, and they're like, huh, see if the analytics are right here. And you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Shut your stupid fat mouth. You know? It's just a soundbite. It's just a soundbite oh, for these guys at this point. I mean bananas. Yeah, I mean it's hey Data analytics that it, that runs the world. Like yes. your phone is completely data and analytics. Uh, yes. All the social media apps that's completely data and analytics. So like you can if, if you can say it or you uh, or you can believe it or you can't. I mean it's it, it's right in front of our faces. So like yes. um, it's not really something that you really 
shouldn't believe in. But um, yeah, I, I I completely agree. I think Staley needs to get out of there. He's uh, I've seen a lot of people say Staley is like ruining Justin Herbert's career. Um, I don't know. I've I've struggled having Justin. Like, so I think Justin Herbert's a phenomenal fantasy quarterback. He he gets the points for sure. I don't think he's a top ten NFL quarterback. It's funny, um, right? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Like it's 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 pretty incredible because I mean, there's a lot of other quarterbacks that for like real life football that I would rather have on my team than Justin Herbert. Yeah, Justin Herbert has the arm talent. He looks he looks cool while he's doing it. He's got the flowy hair. Like he's he throws absolute bombs down the field. He's good for TV. But in terms of winning, I don't know. You can't go into a playoff game up twenty seven to zero at halftime and blow that lead. Yeah, like that's that's. That's incredible. You can't do that as a, as a starting NFL quarterback. And uh, the fact that some people are still considering Justin Herbert a top 10 NFL quarterback is absurd to me. Um, yes, he gets he gets you fantasy points. But, I mean, this past offseason, what, he was getting drafted in, what, like the top six? Yeah. From a TNT perspective in Superflex leagues, he was getting drafted like a, the 105, 106. That's just absurd to me. Yeah. Um, but here we are. Here we are. Yeah, I think, um, I think it's interesting because, by the way, back to the analytics real quick, like – then they'll say the, they'll say like um, you got to take into consideration you know whether or not you know this team is tired how your defense is playing and like uh, you know your history and the weather and, and I'm always like yeah that's fucking analytics too chief like that's analytics if it's all it, data it's, it's all data. data you fucking moron it's like <laughs> like just because they're using the ESPN whatever the win probability thing that's one. Th- piece of analytics the rest is like just like you said you know a lot of the sleeper thing is like the 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 projections are based off of you know overall average and you're like we like to focus more on team specific you know correlation and it's like okay well those are both analytics and they're going to give you a different decision Mm -hmm. that's what the fuck we're talking it's all analytics you dumbasses you know that's that's the (laughs) thing it's like well the analytics says we should do the analytics isn't a it just drives me bananas because there's no nuance to the conversation and there's no actual, there's nobody there to go. The fuck are you talking about, bro? Like there's no me there to just slap the bitch out of, you know, like I just want to, I, sometimes it makes me want to scream because this is Um, what it is. It's like, yes. How about do take into consideration how your defense is playing? Are they tired? Do you have an injury on your offensive line? Will it be harder to convert a fourth and one because of, Whatever the case, they have a really solid interior front. And bah, 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 bah. Yes, all analytics. We have to calculate that. Now, is there a better way to calculate it than the ESPN fucking win probability? Of course. That's that's the beginning stages of analytics. That's all it is. It isn't saying that's it. That's it. You got to go for it. No. And if it's 57-43, the ESPN analytics or whatever, you know, data thing, it's like, well, now you take that and go, okay, well, that's interesting. However all the rest, whether this, that, and the other, the way my team is playing, my quarterback just came over to me and he looks like he's seeing stars. Okay. Yes. That's all part of it. Make a different decision. I understood the math of, you know, win probability, but I also had to look at some other data and analytics, uh, you know, and move in a different direction. And that's what it's all about. But knowing as much as you can as a coach would be what I'd want, you know, and I think that about Justin Herbert now, you had mentioned he's not as good a quarterback. I don't disagree, right? But some of it has to do with who's in your headset, right? Mm-hmm. Because yes, there's so much information being given to these guys. 
what play are we calling? What what are we reading that they're doing defensively? Maybe Herbert's like, dude, we got to run this. And he's like, run the other fucking thing. And he's like, fuck. You know, and he's he's just not jiving. That's also possible. And then he's throwing game-winning touchdowns that Quentin Johnson is fucking batting out of bounds. So there's a lot of <laughs> – right? We're coming full circle. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> the analytics oh. say that don't bat the ball out of bounds when it's thrown to you on a game-winning throw. That's the analytics. But um, but anyway, yeah, I, I'm with you. So if would you rather have in Dynasty Justin Herbert or Trevor Lawrence? Oh, that's a tough one because I, I, I don't like Trevor Lawrence either. <laughs> but um, before I talk about that, yes. I want to just – Hats off to Jax Falcone, everyone, for uh, man of the people, man of the analytics. Yes. Uh, the, the way that I think of like how the NFL views analytics, it just all like reminds me back to like, remember when that, that, that picture of like a slideshow and like the, the Bears had like a, uh, like a cylinder in the middle of a screen? It just yes. said, that just said analytics. <laughs> it's like, that's what people think analytics are. Like, no, that's not what analytics Oh, like, whatever. I, I mean, it, it makes me mad, but at the same time, like, it also is encouraging because yes. we are light years ahead of where these some of these teams are um, at, from an analytics department, and we can go and help them because we know how to do this shit. Um, like we we <laughs> do this shit. That's sad. That's sad. It though. is. It is sad. But like we can. There's there's opportunity there. There's yeah. opportunity for us to go and, and help them because like we're doing this for a game that is fantasy football. But what are we doing? Right. We're predicting outcomes for real life football. Yes. Why can't we just take the lessons that we've learned from fantasy football and apply it to real life football? So yes. that's that's that, that's something that I, I'm hoping that we can get to. Um, but back to the point on Trevor Lawrence and Justin mm. Herbert. First, I'm going to say that I am not a fan of either quarterback, but probably oh God. Uh, just because Trevor Lawrence came back and beat Justin Herbert in that game, I'm going to take Trevor Lawrence because Trevor Lawrence beat him in the playoffs. <laughs> I, I do know that everybody hated my pick of Trevor Lawrence in the first round of the big game, even though I'm number one in points, y'all can eat it. And then the worst move I made that everybody scoffed at, that they scoffed. I don't even know what scoffing is, but they did it. They scoffed. When I traded up in the second round to select Dak Prescott, and uh, Dak is now the quarterback three in fantasy this year. Uh, I believed in Dak. I still believe in Dak. I believe in that team. Um, I, you know, I thought I made a mistake taking Dak over your selection because you later in the round, without trading up, took Tua. Mm-hmm. Who do you prefer in Dynasty, Tua or Dak? Ooh, that's a tough one. But I think I still prefer Tua. Well, I, uh, from, I would I would reject the trade, so don't worry about it. <laughs> um, just because I'm I'm gonna stick with my guy. Yeah. I mean, two is my guy. I'm, I'm gonna stick with him. Um, Dak is he's having a great year. Yeah, he's having a phenomenal year. Um, Dak is also slightly inconsistent. So yeah. there could be years where Dak goes off and he's a top five quarterback, and the next season he'll be like a bottom twenty quarterback. Um, but Tua. I mean, Tua is just in uh, – he's he's in such a great situation. The kid's only still like 25 years old. Um, Dak, I think, is what, like 29, almost 30? He's so 30 Tua, at least for sure. He's 30 now. So Tua's got five years on him. Tua's going to have a long career down there in Miami as long as he doesn't get any more of those, uh, those mind-numbing concussions. Um, and he's got 
one of the most forward-thinking coaches in the NFL and Mike McDaniel. So I, I love Tua's situation. He's going to have Tyreek for – well, I think Tyreek said he's going to play three more years. So he's got two more years of Tyreek, and he's got Jalen Waddle uh, as well. He's also got a phenomenal run game in Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, and Devin Achan. I can't wait for Devin Achan to come back. Hopefully he comes back this week. Um, but I just I just love Tua's situation. And um, he's in the perfect system for his skill set because Mike McDaniel knows exactly how to maximize Tua's skill set. And Tua's skill set is – not throwing these these deep bombs where he has to chuck the ball six yards on the field because he doesn't quite have the arm strength for that. But he throws these timing routes, these slants that allows these receivers to catch the ball on the run and do what they do best, run in open space. Tyreek will catch a 15-yard slant, 10, 10, 15-yard slant. He'll take it to the house. Jalen Waddle will do the same. Um, and they're, they're, that offense is going to continue to work that way because Tua is probably the most accurate quarterback in the NFL. In terms of hitting a very small, tight window, Tua can get the ball there, and he's going to uh, allow his receivers to do what they do best, maximize their skill set as well. I will push back one thing. The worst that Dak has ever finished in a season when he played more than 12 games is 14th, uh, quarterback 14. He's been court- rookie season, quarterback 7, then 10, then 14. So that was his worst. Then quarterback two. And and then his injury year where he was about to set the record for most everything. Like he was on a pace yeah. to absolutely destroy. Uh, then cracks his ankle. Come back, come back, uh, quarterback eight. And then last year only played 12 games, was still the quarterback 16, had his worst season by far. He's the quarterback three again this year. Uh, Dak gets unfairly hated. He's definitely one of those players that just absolutely is underrated in my book. Uh, the thing that really, for me, sort of started to hurt Dak's value, especially after the ankle, was him not running. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, just just listen to this. This is rushing yards per season, 282, 357, 305, 277. So, I mean, basically 300 or, you know, more than 280 every single year for the first four years. The ankle breaker, 93, whatever, you know. But the season after that, played a full year, was only at 146. The year mm-hmm. after that, a little bit better, 182. This year, 151 with still some games to play. So he'll get himself over 200 for the first time, presumably, um, mm-hmm. since, you know, since 2019. You know, he doesn't have what he used to have in terms of rushing. I used to love that he was sort of that tactical rusher, kind of like a Trevor Lawrence, maybe a Justin Herbert. Those two players are are like that. Um, you know, and I like I like that a lot. You know, I like them. You know, I played a lot of points per first down leagues. That's the leagues I like to commission. I think that's, you know, fucking first down conversions are what the, you know, what the game's all about. So um, mm-hmm. I like it when a quarterback's able to do that in real life too. Like if you've mm-hmm. ever been either betting against or for a, a, a team, and the quarterback, you know, gets seven yards on third and six, runs out of bounds. You're like, it's such a big play. Like, that's a huge play. And you only have to do that two or three times a game, and it's gigantic. So those rushing yards uh, sometimes are, you know, they're, they're, they're good for fantasy, but they can be even better in, quote-unquote, real football and moving the football down the field and getting more opportunities to score. Yeah, I mean, uh, you actually did. Um, so – I have Dak on one of my other dynasty teams, and he was so frustrating for me last year. Yes. And then, like he finished QB eighteen, um, awful, and yeah. he only played twelve games. Because uh, I remember last last season, he was having games of like twenty six. I'd be so happy. Then the next game, he put up like six points. I'm like, yeah. what the hell is this? Um, but it seems like the entire Cowboys offense is kind of humming this year. I actually do have a lot of Dak 
um, in best ball as well as in redraft, just because I, I thought the Cowboys offense was going to be was going to be very good this year. Um, and it, it's, it's looking that way so far. Uh, I do have a few uh, Dak CD stacks as well. So got to love all of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. Dak is a he, he's definitely an underrated quarterback. He might be the most underrated quarterback in the NFL right now. Uh, just because he, he, he does, he's like he's like one of the best. He's, I think he's like top four, top five still, even after last season in the interception percentage uh, for his career. And last year he was last. I mean, he was last. And this year he's back to. I just looked at it uh, coming in. He was he's eighth. I mean, it's basically you know Russell Wilson, Kenny Pickett, C.J. Stroud, Derek Carr, Herbert, Lamar, Cousins, then Dak in terms of interception percentage. So. You know, uh, but among those players, not all those players are actually scoring. You think about Kenny Pickett; he's got you know below. You know, he's one of the worst in touchdown percentage. So he's <laughs> right, he's not doing anything with the football. He's not throwing it downfield. He's not throwing for yards. Derek Carr, same thing, no success. Right. So it's really like Russell Wilson actually quietly fucking killing it this year. Isn't this crazy? The the yeah. Russell Wilson resurgence. What yeah. the hell, man? I love it. So under the radar too. Nobody's even talking about it. Yeah. It, it is crazy, right? I mean, like if he continues to play this way, they kind of have a shot a to make the playoffs, and then I mean they're six and five. Yeah, they've they're, they, they've won what five straight games, something like that. Yeah, they like four or five straight. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're looking good. They're looking it's good. It's crazy. I love it. Kind of like you know, the, it was that last year the Geno Russell trade was like yeah. you know the dumbest thing that Seahawks have ever done. Now it's like at least somewhat normalizing, where it's like, oh, okay, well maybe maybe it, dude, fucking hack it. It's all Nathaniel Hackett. <laughs> it's all Hackett. It's all Hackett. Hey, I mean, it's like, like we just said, it's small sample. You can't just take one year and just call that, oh, then there was a terrible decision. Small sample. You got to wait. You got to let You got to let the data The data come in. You got to let the data bake. And so Russell Wilson, I mean, what? He had, what, 12 years of uh, very good football for the Seattle Seahawks. Goes to the Broncos with Nathaniel Hackett. He looks terrible. Yeah. Now he gets Sean Payton. Uh, probably a Hall of Fame coach, and he's looking good again. They're six and five, and they're looking like they can make a run for the playoffs. So yes. we'll see. We'll see. I so, mean, so if the team that I drafted with you um, on Best Ball Mania if that wins the three million, what's do we make an agreement or whatever? Because it's looking pretty yeah, good. Yeah, we're splitting that. We're splitting we're, that. Do you hear? What, it's 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 not a bad team, right? I mean, where where are we no, at right no. now? We're so right now. Uh, okay, well, we're splitting it after taxes because yeah, yeah, I mean, no, no, just yeah, just peel, <laughs> just peel me off five hundred G's. And we're good. Don't even worry about it. You keep the um, rest. Let's see. Uh, right now, we are we're sitting in the top ten k. I think um, we're sitting at one thousand five hundred and seventy points. We are two. We're eleven. Or sorry, we're one hundred and twenty points clear of second place. Mm. Um, so with two weeks to play, that is pretty solid. Uh, let me check where we are on the leaderboard in the top 10,000. Um, so at 1570, hmm. we are in 5,000. We're, we're, we're about in, in 5,000th place. So we are, we're looking good. And our team is fully healthy. So yeah. yes. we are, Which we have all 18 players live. Has that is to rare. be a fucking record that the team is healthy. Knock on, knock on all the wood, buddy. Knock on all the wood, yes, sir. I mean, tell the people, tell the real quick. Do you have it up? Yeah, I do people, have it up. Tell the people the team we drafted together on. Yeah, we drafted an absolute monster. So we had our quarterbacks are Josh Allen and Kyler Murray. So we have the number one overall player in fantasy, and Josh Allen. And our running Kyler, back, Kyler's there and now. Kyler, he's, he's there. He's coming back. He's coming back. He, he already has a, a contributing week. Um, nice. We're going to need him this week with Josh Allen on by. Bingo. Uh, we got Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, Zach Charbonnet, Devin A. Chain, and Ty- Tyler Algier at running back. So we went five running backs. 
We went a little unconventional and drafted nine wide receivers, but oh boy, did we hit on these. We got we got DJ Moore, Tyler Lockett, Gabe Davis, Zay Flowers, Nico Collins, Jaden Reed, Rashid Shahid, Rondale Moore, and Puka Nakua. <laughs> so sick. Oh, that is a stacked wide receiver room. And then to make it even better, our tight ends, Travis Kelsey and Hunter Henry. Yes. We are loaded top to bottom. Yeah. As long as Travis Kelsey doesn't get hurt or whatever, like there's certain things like obviously it's so, so dependent on Travis Kelsey just being Travis Kelsey. And, you know, because mm-hmm. if he goes out, you're done. I mean, Hunter Henry's not winning you fucking $3 million potentially. I mean, maybe in a one week sample, but, you yeah, know, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe in, the, in the final <laughs> week he might. But I mean, he's not going to carry your team is what I mean by that. Yeah, you know? that's yeah. true. That's yeah, true. Yeah. So, yeah, that's great. Speaking of one of the players on there, Devon A-Chain. I feel like yeah. Devon A-Chain is like starting to really tantalize me because, you know, he he kind of screwed my Scott Fishbowl team. I had Ken Walker, Devon A-Chain, what else? Puka and Cup both shit the bed, like uh, Waller. Like I had such a great start and it all fell apart. Anyway, but Devon A-Chain now on a lot of my dynasty teams is like this like ace in the hole. And I just keep thinking of like whatever it was, weeks three, four, five, or whatever it was. This I'm just I'm just like, can I just insert that back into my playoff situation and just fucking win all the money? So. <laughs> right? I hope so, yeah. I mean I have I have A chain on a few of my teams too. I, I I'm hoping for that for that I just need that one fifty bomb again. Then yes. then I'll be happy. Yes. In the in the in the in the semis or something. I mean yeah, yeah, it's just like no, I miles. really, yeah, I really, really need Devon A chain in so many uh, leagues where I'm competitive. I mean, to to have him on a competitive team feels like just just the oh, yeah. ultimate upside, like infusion to a team. And you know, he came back last week and then missed a week. I, I, I'm so nervous that he's just not right. Um, what do you? What do you? What do you uh, let, let me ask you a question first, Jax. Um, where do you have Devin A. Chain in your dynasty running back rankings? Yeah, I've got it right here. So I have him. So I think I think here's what here's what my dynasty running back rankings look like. So Bijan still the de facto uh, RB one. I, I you know I, I think a lot of people were going to sour on him as they have given the fact that he couldn't live up to expectations. But to me, he kind of has lived up to expectation because he's awesome. And mm-hmm. the usage has been spotty, but like last two weeks have been good. So Bijan won, Brees Hall, Christian McCaffrey. I still like JT. Uh, then it's like, then it's Jameer Gibbs, Travis Etienne, Devon A. Chain. I think that's a tier and it kind of depends on how you feel. So I currently have him behind Etienne uh, just because he's playing. Obviously, if A. Chain were doing what he was doing in weeks, whatever, three, four, you know, that, that, then he'd move up. Um, but uh, yeah, I think he's right in that five, six, seven range. Because after that, it gets very, very murky. Like I have DeAndre Swift as my running back eight, and Rashad White as running back nine. Because what do you want me to do? Like you want me to put Ken Walker there? I don't know. Like Jacobs, Tony Pollard, Saquon. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I currently have Jalen Warren as my running back fifteen, ahead of even guys like Austin Eckler. I I think Jalen Warren is not necessarily giving you everything. I, I, I'm, what do we think about Jalen Warren? Because he's, you know, from a from an efficiency standpoint, he's the, he's the Tony Pollard. He's the most effective running back on a per-touch basis in the NFL. But, you know, he's sort of stuck 
behind or stuck alongside Najee Harris, and that probably won't change next year. So what do we do with Jalen Warren? Uh, Jalen Warren's a tough one. Um, I think he's yeah, I think he's I think he's one of the I think he's another hold. I yeah. mean, at RB at RB fifteen, like if you could sell him for a first round pick, I'm all over that. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. But I like if someone offers a second, like no, uh, like yeah. I, I think I'd keep Jalen Warren instead of a second round pick. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean he's another one of those holes, and like it's it, it's tough to say with some of these guys. Um, yeah, unless you unless you get an absolute tantalizing offer, I mean you you, you gotta you kind of have to hold on to Jalen Warren because I don't think anybody's going to be offering a first for Warren, and I wouldn't take a second. So he's kind of one of those tweeners that's tough to trade him. Yeah, maybe he's one of those guys that you sell on the hotness, and if you can get up into a you know. But even then, I don't really love selling up at running back because things can change so quickly. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know if I'd trade. I mean, maybe you could use him in a package to trade up at wide receiver. That might not be crazy. You know, if you can get yourself a, a premium asset, you know. Um, but, yeah, it's really tough. I, I don't know what to think of it because his ceiling is somewhat capped, you know, mm-hmm. both in a seasonal situation and a week. Even weekly, it's somewhat capped because he's only going to receive about 50% of the running back touches and he doesn't get goal line, you know, because they sort of save that for Najee, you know, as a, here you go, buddy, go ahead and punch it in, pal. All right. Nicely done. You know, they do that for, for not for Najee. Um, you know, Najee outplayed him this past week, although on a, a you know, over the long stretch, you know, Warren's outplaying him. So I think he's not going to lose his role at all. If anything, it'll grow, but it, it, you know, even after Matt Canada, you know, gets fired, they basically split it down the middle. Um, and I think that's kind of what they're going to continue to do, or at least that's what, you know, the past tells us. Hey? Yeah. And the, the, this, the Steelers offense actually, it, it looked phenomenal after Matt Shannon yeah. got fired. First it time is- they had over 40 yards. <laughs> I, I um, heard that. That yeah, was yeah. like 50 games or some stupid shit, right? In the past three years during Matt Canada's entire uh, tenure as offensive coordinator, they never had a game over 400 yards. And then his first game out, first they game. do. First game out, they do. Like that's fucking crazy. <laughs> like that's like yeah, what if, tell you. <laughs> like if a shouting fan base ever wanted to prove they were right all along, that would be the thing I'd say. I'd just be like <laughs> I mean they've been saying it for so long. I have so many friends who are Steelers fans and they've been saying that Matt Canada is like the reason that they that they're not able to have a good offense. And it was so funny. I saw a video circula- circulating on Twitter um, where like Matt Cannon was so hyped, like he goes and like hugs like Mike Tom, like I let's go, like, we won. And Chris Ball was like, "You had nothing to do with it. Get out of here." Yeah, the kicker <laughs> just fucking dunking on your face, yeah. in your face too. Not because of you, scumbag. You know, it's like what? <laughs> <laughs> that to his face. Oh I'm, man, yeah, yeah. that's funny. That, that is funny. <laughs> Oh my God. I love it. Um, all right. So I know you got to get going, but one of the ones I, I want to talk real quickly about playoff buys and rebuilding yeah. buys. Cause the way I look at it is like, okay, so let's talk about like a player that I think is very interesting going forward. Because if you wanted to add a player right now, maybe a guy I should be, I should have ahead of Jalen Warren in my dynasty running back rankings would be Kyron Williams. Kyron mm. Williams Look, is there a player – he's a top 10 play for the rest of the season, right? So, like, if he's that, why isn't he a top 15 or 20? He certainly should be a top 20 running back in Dynasty. I'm just so afraid that it's these few games and then next year is going to change. Um, you know, I've seen this movie too many times. Uh, 
Damian Pierce or whatever. You know, we just see James Robinson. You know, th- this is a late round pick, you know, undersized, not as athletic, yada, yada. I mean, they, they had acres. It's not like they were like, I don't know, man. There's just a lot here where I think they just don't have much of a better, uh, uh, you know, opportunity. I mean, basically, they brought up Daryl Henderson off the streets. And then when Kyron got healthy, they put Daryl Henderson back on the streets. Like, <laughs> like, that's fucking incredible. I've never seen that done before. Like, nope, you're a lead back. Now you're back to homeless. You know, it's like, what? So, <laughs> it's crazy. So, I, I mean, so Kyron is their quote unquote sort of only option. And yep. if they get better options next year, I'm terrified of what could happen. So I, I don't necessarily want to be holding the bag if the if the floor falls out. But it could also be that he's got this role locked up next year, which would make him basically a top 10 dynasty running back. If, if I knew that, if you told me he's going to get this role next year, dude, I'd take him over DeAndre Swift, like make him RB8. Yeah, but uh, I, I'm in the same camp as you. I, I'm, I'm trying – I did have one Kyron Williams and I already sold him. I sold him like uh, a month ago, um, maybe a month and a half ago. Um, I did sell him pretty well, pretty well though. Uh, I sold Kyron. I did sell Puka Nakua. Kyron and Puka Nakua and Marvin Mims. I sold all three of them for AJ Brown. Oh, wow. Uh, nice. So I think that that's, that, that's, that's about right. Yeah, that's good. Um, but yeah, I'm, I feel like we've seen this story too many times with these Rams running backs. Uh, we know Sean McVay does not, he does not care about your fantasy team unless you have Cooper Cup. Um, or Puka Nakua, but this running back room—you never know what's gonna what's gonna happen with this running back room. Um, I mean, because I mean, what uh, was Sean McVay there when they had Todd, Todd Gurley? I think he was there for one of the seasons. Yeah, it might have been sure. near, yeah. near the decline of Todd Gurley, but yeah, um, Kyron Williams does not uh, scream bell cow running back, um, and he's already gotten hurt this year. Um, I don't know. I can't remember exactly what his injury was. It a high ankle sprain? Something like that. Uh, yeah, I don't remember exactly. I thought it was ankle, though. I exactly what it was. But he's not built like a bell cow, so it's tough for him to sustain that sort of production. Uh, and so you're always going to be worried about injuries. There's always the concern of, like, is someone else going to get brought in? Um, yeah. Is Sean McVay just going to turn on the running back? Kind of like even Cam Akers. Um, I can't remember if it was last year or the year before, but he was tearing it up down yeah. the stretch. It was last year. Got, it was last year. And he was getting drafted – um, he was getting drafted very, very highly. Yep. Um, he got drafted very, very highly the last two years yes. um, just because he keeps going on these tears, uh, just putting up like 30 fantasy points in random spots here and there. And people see that upside and they're like, oh, he's going to do that for me throughout the whole season. Let me draft him in the third round. And what does he do every single year? He disappoints. So it feels like Kyron Williams is going to be the exact same sort of player where he's probably going to go down – finished his season as a league winner. He's going to tear it up down the stretch, just like how Cam Akers was a league winner. Um, Cause he tore it up down the stretch, but come next year, he's probably going to be a top, uh, a top th- th- uh, three round running back. Yeah. And he's going to disappoint ADP just because uh, there's a lot of factors that's going to come into play with the Rams. And I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm staying away from it. I'm, I'm selling all the Kyron Williams that I can. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm 12 and Oh, by the way, I did beat Scott Connor this past week and the Dyn- I know okay. people listened last week and the week before we were talking about, you know, me and Scott playing each other. I'm 12 and 0 in the Dynasty Game Theory Invitational. I'm coming after one year after List runs the table. I'm fucking running the table. Of course, totally jinxing it every time I fucking say it. But I don't <laughs> who gives a shit, right? It's like I'm not going to win or lose because I'm bragging or not. So who gives a fuck? Brag while you can. Fuck it. Um, but um, but I have him on in that team. And by the way, I smartly bought him after week two for a second and a third. Um, nice. 
which I like, uh, you know, but the, like. the team selling was trying to tank for Caleb. So didn't want the points, don't want any part of points and, you know, they need picks. And certainly they probably thought the same of Kyron he soon thereafter, I guess, got hurt. I, you know, so it was fine both ways, but like for me now, he's definitely like, I'm like, Oh my God, this is great. Oh, you know, I've been forget. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's just, he's in every, every week. He's said it and forget it. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, I was thinking about playoff buys and rebuilding buys and, you know, the easy rebuilding buys are all the, the hurt players. If you're rebuilding, you should be trying to take on any, you know, Nick Chubb, even, I don't, you know, who gives a shit, right? Yeah. You know, okay. Oh yeah. Right. Mark Andrews, of course, but you know, the younger, the better, but you know, any of the JK Dobbins, I mean, you could probably get him for a song, you know, you could probably sell him for, uh, you could probably, buy what do you J- think well, I think JK Dobbins is awesome. I think he's one of the toughest players. He's one of my favorite players. I've said this many times before in actual NFL. Like, so it's like Debo Samuel, you know, um, George Kittle. It's like, Dobbins, he's another one. He's just an absolute fucking killer. So I love him, but you know the the receiving upside on that team is is not good. But we've seen it with you know Keaton Mitchell, Gus Edwards, all these guys who are look not premium running backs in the NFL, and they're just they always kill it. Like I think Mark Ingram was up close to six yards a carry, you know, on this team. So alongside uh, Lamar Jackson, there's a lot of space. He he could absolutely have a huge season. He would have had a big season this year. If he'd been healthy the whole year, of course, you know, uh, health is starting to become a huge issue for him, of course. Um, so, you know, it, it could, you know, the, the merry-go-round could stop and he could just be, you know, not on the ride. Um, it, it, it's possible. He's just done, you know, he's a musical chair situation. There's no seat for him. Uh, nobody really wants him. He's viewed as this, you know, a backup running back for the rest of time. But I think he was just too premium, of a, of a prospect for the NFL to just give up on him entirely. I think he's going to have an opportunity somewhere sometime to show himself if he can get healthy enough. There's a lot of ifs there, but um, you know, so for that reason, I'm not overpaying, but you know, I don't have a problem. I look, every time I've tried to sell Dobbins, nobody wants, nobody wants him. So uh, for that reason, I would imagine that it would be easy to buy him potentially. I mean, I've just even thrown him into deals and be like, I don't really want Dobbins. I'm like, I don't even understand that. I would definitely take Dobbins as a throw-in, you know, when I'm making these trades. Yeah, because like as as a competitor, I'm always just offering all my like like Mike Williams. I'm just here's Mike Williams, here's J.K. Dobbins, and here's Kirk Cousins. Give me someone good that I can play. And they're like, no, these guys are hurt. I'm like, obviously, yeah, that's the whole fucking point, man. You're not playing, the, but next year you get them. You know, it's like, but yeah. Anyway, I, it drives me bananas making these trades sometimes, but like. Yeah, I would be gladly accepting these types of players onto my roster if I can sell them, you know, and buy them basically below their value. Uh, of course, obviously, I'm not going to overpay for that. But yeah, so outside of guys like that, I mean, what are some of your, uh, you know, uh, buys that you're making both on or either rebuild or, or, or playoff push teams? Uh, so from a playoff push perspective, um, I'm trying to buy running backs, uh, yeah. especially some of these bell cow running backs, uh, guys that immediately came to that come to mind. Camara. I mean, if you can buy Camara, I mean, that is an absolute smash. Uh, Tony Pollard. I think Tony Pollard has been a yes. slight disappointment this season, but I think he's I think he's set to kind of explode down the stretch. And I think he's he might himself as one of those league winners. So Tony Pollard, I'm, I'm definitely trying to get. Um 
Yeah, because so, you can buy the you can buy the Tony Pollard for a discount because everybody's like, dude, this is over. This guy sucks. And exactly. Rico exactly. Donald's like, taking over. The expectations were so high for Tony Pollard. Yeah, there you was, should be able to buy low. To live up to that expectation. So because he didn't quite live up to that massively inflated expectation, the owner might feel like he's been kind of a bust because of that. So you might be able to buy him a little bit cheaper than uh, some if he ha- didn't have that inflated expectation. Bingo. Uh, from a rebuilding perspective, outside of the injury players, because, I mean, you can go after all the injury players. I mean, that's obviously a smart idea for a, a rebuilder. Um, but some guys that I think who might have not have, like, immediately popped onto the scene and might have some pretty depressed value still, some guys that I really like are John Mechie. Um, John Mechie, I think he's – I still believe in the kid. Um, he was phenomenal at Bama. He dealt with the cancer thing. Um, and now he's – this year was kind of his – acclimation back to the NFL. So he's, he's coming back. He's tied to CJ Stroud. CJ Stroud's phenomenal. Um, and to operate on a team that also has Tank Dell and Nico Collins, uh, he should eat up in the slot. So um, I, I like John Mechie as a potential buy because you could probably get him pretty cheap as well. Yep. Um, another guy that I like whose value feels massively suppressed right now is Marvin Mims. Yes. Um, I was super high on Marvin Mims this offseason. And he flashed the first two games of the season. And then for some reason, Sean Payton's like, no, nah, you're too good. We're not going to play you anymore. Um, so Sean Payton, I don't know what he's doing over there, but Marvin Mims, whenever he sees the field, whenever he has the ball in his hands, he looks phenomenal. Yep. Um, so I'm definitely trying to buy players like that. Yeah, I think I agree. I agree with those. I would throw Christian Watson into that and Elijah Moore. Yeah. I think yeah. Elijah, Elijah Moore, I don't know if I'm quite as high as you uh, uh, as Elijah Moore, but Christian Watson, yes. Yeah, I don't know how much I love Elijah Moore, but I think he can also be had pretty uh, reasonably. Um, maybe Jalen Hyatt uh, could be a buy. Um, I, I think. Like I just think here's here's the reason for these types of players between today and again, what am I buying them for? I'm not necessarily trying to trade draft capital for them if I'm a rebuilder. I'm trying to trade production. So mm-hmm. you know, maybe I can trade a Brandon Cooks, right? You know, I can trade. Oh, I you know what I'm saying? These types of players, a Curtis Samuel, um, even a DeAndre Hopkins, and then get some of these guys plus, right? Um, the Cortland Sutton, you know, some of these guys are a little bit older. Mike Evans, you can sell some production to a contending team who's holding, you know, Elijah Moore, Jalen Hyde, all these guys, and you can get back both picks and the player because between now and uh, because you probably won't get a first round pick. For those types of players, you know, you're not going to get a first round pick for Evan Sutton, uh, Hopkins and all these guys. But if you say, hey, second, third, you know, a couple of these sort of picks that, you know, guys throw around like like candy, maybe even a couple future seconds plus Elijah Moore. It's like they're they're like, fuck it. It's fine. Yeah, I don't that shit doesn't matter. But you're like between now and next year, you know, those guys are going to be worth more. Jalen Hyatt. Look, I don't know. I mean, you know, he's going to go into next year as a a guy with promise. You even if you never play him between now and next year, you'll be able to sell him for for an increase in value. Yeah, I definitely like Jalen Hyatt. I mean, he, he had 100 yards receiving this this past week with yeah. Tommy DeVito. Right. Um, so, I mean, we'll see what he. I mean, I, I don't know. If, I think Dalen Jones is going to be the starting quarterback for the Giants next year, but I I have no idea what the Giants are doing over there. They, they did um, say that they came out and said that, but um, we'll see all about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, teams say things all the time. That's right. That's right. That's right. Oh, question for you. Yeah. Where do you think Caleb goes? Do you think Caleb goes in the NFL, and where do you think he goes? 
I mean, I think he goes first overall, right? I mean, I, I, do you, do you really think that a team's going to pass on him because of what was the reasons? Like, explain this know. again I, to me. Like, he's no, because I, 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 I have no idea why a team would pass on Caleb. I don't think a team passed on Caleb, but I'm just curious, like, who you think actually gets Caleb at the one? Because a team, like, because maybe, maybe the Bears have the first overall pick because the Panthers uh, end up being the worst team in the NFL. Do the Bears trade that pick? Do they? Trade Justin Fields and draft Caleb Williams. I'm really curious what what, what your where your, your train of thought goes. Look, I'm a Patriots fan, so this is really too difficult for me to prognosticate because, of course, I want the Patriots to get Caleb Williams. Like, of course. you know, and what's crazy is, of course, it's like you got this Marvin Harrison sitting there, and it's like, so if you end up with the third pick, is it really that bad? Maybe you maybe you take Marvin Harrison and then you go for you know a Penix or a Jaden Daniels or one of these other guys, you know, later. You know, maybe it's one of those situations where it's a Jalen Hurts situation where it's like Jaden Daniels becomes the early second round pick Jalen Hurts type of player, you know. So that's in play for a couple of these guys, the Bo Nix and Penix and, you know, McCarthy. There's just enough quarterbacks here, which is, of course, I got to tell all the listeners, it's coming, baby. All of the all of the draft stuff and John Lobb and. Ray G and Felix and all my people coming on, having their takes and talking about the offseason. It's coming, but we're not there yet. But I'll tell you, if my Patriots can get Caleb Williams, that'd be great. Um, I, I've said it all along. I said we tank, we get Caleb Williams, and we open the the Brinks truck for uh, for the uh, Detroit offensive coordinator Ben Johnson and and just oh, that'd be that'd be phenomenal. I mean, I. I think Bill Belichick is putting on an absolute masterclass in tanking because yes. nobody is talking about the Patriots tanking, but they clearly are. Yes. I mean, what last week? I, I bet you Bill Bel- Bill Belichick told uh, <laughs> Chad Ryland, "Yo, if you miss this kick, I'll give you fifty thousand dollars." <laughs> 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 the week before, it was like Mac Jones. Hey, throw throwing they, they they got down to what like the the six yard line. Mac Jones throws a pick because they, they otherwise they could have won that game against the Colts. Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, no, nah, it's too it, fishy. It, it, too it fishy. looks so good. I love it. Look, I love it. I mean, you know, obviously Mac wouldn't be in on the tank job, but, uh, you know, he doesn't, ha- he doesn't have to be. Let's just put it that way. He doesn't have to be. That's why he puts him out there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mac is part of the tank job. Wink, wink. Uh, yeah. Go out there and do your best, kid. We love you. Uh, yeah, no. It, it, look, I don't know how much tanking happens. I really don't. I, I, it's, like, it's hard to figure out because – you know, there's so many players. They're all playing for their lives. You know, they they, you know, their paychecks are on the on the line. Their their health is on the line. I just can't mm-hmm. imagine a football player like letting up. I mean, I, you know, we saw De- Deontay Johnson let up. That's for sure. <laughs> that was pretty fucking atrocious, wasn't it? Yeah, that was wild. That was that was crazy. <laughs> you know, if we weren't ending the sh- if we weren't ending the show right now, because we're about to, if we weren't ending the show, we could do another hour on the officiating and all this. Oh, yeah. I mean, what a sh- horseshit. Did you see the hit on uh, Herbert? No. Which one? Oh, uh, he was like, he was like literally in the bench and some guy speared him in the thigh. He was, he was at least five feet out of bounds and got, and got hit. And they were like, two refs were looking at it and they're like, no, don't, 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 <laughs> I don't see a late hit. It's like with all the late hits and the quarterback protection, and everything. I, it's so irregular. The, 
the the AJ Brown fumble catch thing was a big point of contention. Yeah, I thought it happened was- happened like exactly the same thing in the Bears Vikings game, and they yeah. called it the other way. Like, is uh, there's a lot of inconsistencies. the The thing that's pissing me off more than anything else, and I tweeted about it this week, is these these flags. Uh, did you see the Amon Ra St. Brown? Um, uh, fine that he got he basically was wide receiver just come out and very very standard issue run block on a you know safety or corner whatever i don't remember okay. and was flagged uh, no not flagged of course because it was if you watch the game there would be zero people out of the fucking eighty thousand watching the game there and millions watching who would have been like oh that's a flag zero Zero people, zero is the number who would have thought that, except for the little bitches who watched the game over and found that somehow this is a $43,000 fine for the, this is absolutely, I mean, mean, there has to be a class action lawsuit from these players because they're, they're being, they're, they're, it's, 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 it's theft. They're stealing money from these guys. Yeah, that's crazy. Fucking bullshit. It's 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 I don't know that 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 part of the league is is got something's got to give because it's they're feigning uh, interest in protecting these players when that's not at all what they're doing. that's not at all what no. they're doing. they're 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 protecting their assets that's all they're doing <laughs> that's right that's right they're protecting their wallets <laughs> that's right they're they're getting money from these players in the way of fines and they're they're going to be able to say hey look man we've been trying to tell them not to you know put their head down we. We look at all these fines we're giving out. We told them that's not legal to do. It's all bullshit. And they're going back retroactively after the games, watching the film and handing out these things. And, and a lot of them are going to like, you know, backup linebacker, like running back, like Jerome Ford and like Jalen Warren's got hit a couple times for like lowering his head as a running back. Like running backs that's can be hit in any goddamn way. Like there's guys just fucking killing these running backs. Jalen Warren lowers his head and shoulder to like protect himself. And they're like, well, that's 50 G's bro. It's like, this is the, this is a real problem and it's going to really mess up the game. And I, I don't exactly know what they're going to do to fix it, but it, it's, it's, it's really pissing me off. And I don't mean to end this show on a bad note. So we won't let, let's, let's do something. I don't know. Uh, what about, do you have a hot take or something like that? Let's think about something that, that can cheer me up. Something that can cheer me up as a Patriots fan, as someone who just wants just happiness in his life. Do you have a hot take, Josh, that we can go out on? I do have a hot take. Um, I don't know if it'll cheer you up because it, it does have to do with the Jets. Um, <laughs> but I, the practice window for Aaron Rodgers just got opened up less than three months after a torn Achilles. Like that's miraculous rapid recovery i don't know how aaron Rodgers made this sort of recovery that he was able to come back within less than three months but my hot take is that he suits up on sunday against the atlanta falcons there we go that does actually cheer me up this proof positive that mushrooms and ayahuasca work i mean (laughs) (laughs) hey it the, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, the results speak for themselves. Uh, like, how can you argue against that science, that medicine right there? Absolutely. I mean, if you liked last week's show, that's proof positive that mushrooms work. Because, I mean, I was flying high on last week's show. So just just know it. But, um, I mean, I was feeling no pain. I mean, you know, I had a good nap. I had, you know, how many drinks in the system. It was a lot of, lot of positivity coursing through the veins last week. Same thing for Aaron Rodgers. He's got all sorts of natural elixirs fixing that torn Achilles wink wink um I, who knows what the hell's going on I, the fact that he's even thinking about coming back three months 
is very dubious. I don't understand it. Um, these uh, these Achilles situations are very interesting. Um, Terrell Suggs did this, except he did it um, in less time. He he popped his Achilles in like the spring or something like that, in like training camp, and then played in the playoffs. So that was like seven or eight months, um, and he played defensive end linebacker. Um, maybe it's possible to play quarterback. I don't know what the re-injury risks are or whatever, um, but if you remember, we saw some crazy videos of, of Cam Akers um, you know, practicing, you know, the sort of the, the ropes course uh, after a few months. I don't remember how many that was, but like we've seen these guys like doing things. I'm not so sure what the situation is. I've heard the idea that it's a that it's a fake Achilles. It wasn't actually torn and I don't really give a shit, but I love that he's going to play this week and that would be absolutely fantastic. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Jets by Jets by 11. Jets by <laughs> Jets by a million. Um, <laughs> sometimes oh, you man. can spell the P like an F, right? In other words, you can be PH, right? So sometimes yep. the the PH, the P can make an F sound, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Just bear that in mind as we go out today. So thank you so much for coming on, Mr. Josh Lee. That was a fun show, man. They, tell the people That's where fun. they can find all your cool shit because you do some awesome work and, uh, and, and they deserve to follow you. Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Joshua J. Hyun. Again, uh, that's J-O-S-H-U-A-J-A-E-H-Y-U-N uh, on Twitter, or I guess it's called X now. Um, we're building a lot of cool shit over at fairanalytics.com. Uh, Fair Analytics is spelled P-H-A-R-A-O-H, analytics.com. I always get that spelling wrong for Faro. Um, but yeah, you can find all of our stuff over there. Um, thank you so much for having me on, Jax. This was a lot of fun. Absolutely, brother. And on behalf of everybody here at the Undroppables, on behalf of everybody here at the Undrafted, on behalf of the single greatest podcast producer that has ever walked the planet, Mr. Michael Uck, the Eagles, Duncan. That was from Josh Lee. You have been joined by the great analytics director of the undroppables mr josh lee i am Jax falcone and we are out <laughs> <laughs>